ransomware hits JBS, the world's largest meat supplier, and encrypted EncroChat network, police arrest, more suspects. These stories and more in this week's ISMG Security Report. Hi, I'm Anna Delaney. The loudest cybersecurity news story of this week is, of course, the cyber attack against meat processing giant JBS, which the FBI has now attributed to the ransomware as a service operation, the notorious Rebel Gang, aka Sudden Akibi, which appears to be run from Russia. Here's ISMG's Jeremy Kirk, Managing Editor of Security and Technology, with more on the story. Early in May, ransomware interrupted fuel supplies in the U.S. Now in early June, it's beef and chicken. The largest meat producer in the world, JBS, was hit by a ransomware attack on Sunday. It curtailed meat production in the U.S., Australia, and Canada, although the company says it's making progress in bringing the systems back online. The attack comes just three weeks after one against Colonial Pipeline Company, which caused fuel shortages along the U.S. East Coast. That ransomware was believed to have been launched by cybercriminals in Russia. This time around with JBS, the government has quickly stepped in. The White House said on Tuesday it has put Russia on notice after JBS said it believed the attackers were from that country. Here's Principal Deputy Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre briefing reporters aboard Air Force One on Tuesday. The White House is engaging directly with the Russian government on this matter and delivering the message that responsible states do not harbor ransomware criminals. At first, the Colonial Pipeline incident appeared it might be a watershed moment that changed the dynamics of the ransomware scene. A cybercriminal group called DarkSide, which supplied the malware to another group that used it against Colonial, expressed some regret and then just disappeared. There were other interesting changes as well. Some cybercrime forums banned ransomware advertisements, although that doesn't appear to be sticking. Also, the U.S. government vowed more support and focus on protecting critical infrastructure. The government already was developing long-term strategies to fight ransomware that included more support for victims, pressuring countries that harbor threat actors, and looking for choke points in cryptocurrency systems. But fighting ransomware using any of those strategies is a long-term game, and none of that has really taken hold yet, hence what happened to JBS. Alan Liska is part of Recorded Futures' Computer Security Incident Response Team. He tells me there's been no slowdown at all in ransomware attacks. Also, Brett Callow of Emsisoft says that while Colonial Pipeline changed the government's response, it didn't really affect the cybercriminals. Liska says that even though DarkSide is gone, its customers have other options. Many ransomware gangs offer their malware to other cybercriminals, who are called affiliates, for a share of the ransoms. In addition to malware, that can also include infrastructure support, such as payment portals for victims and dedicated data leaking sites. Liska says those affiliates still have plenty of other gangs to turn to. There's so much money to be made by hitting big corporate fish that even if the risks rise around ransomware, it may be some time before attacks abate. In the meantime, there's plenty of good guidance on how to become more resilient against ransomware published by organizations including NIST and CISA. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. More customers of the now defunct encrypted communication service EncroChat are getting busted by police. 
Last week, Dutch police raided multiple addresses in The Hague and Rotterdam, where they uncovered an industrial-scale cocaine laboratory, which was hidden in a building also housing a garage used by criminals to customize vehicles with secret compartments to transport drugs across Europe. So says Europol, which says the arrest was due to suspects having been identified because they'd used EncroChat. Joining me today to shed more light on the story is Matthew Schwartz, executive editor of ISMG's Data Breach Today in Europe. Very good to see you, Matt. You too, Anna. So, Matt, what was the EncroChat encrypted communication service and was it unique? It was not unique. We've seen a number of encrypted communications networks that all seem to work on a similar principle in which customers will get a customized smartphone, typically with the microphone removed, GPS doesn't work, there's no USB port, and it will have an array of applications or chat functions, all of which are designed to help the users of the network communicate with each other in an encrypted manner so that their communications can't be intercepted by law enforcement. Now, it's not clear how many legitimate users services such as EncroChat or some of its rivals, which have included another service called Sky, might have had. But police say that these services are widely used by criminals to coordinate their operations. And so it presents a challenge for law enforcement, obviously, because unless they can crack the network or somehow gain access to it, you're, you're having this mechanism whereby Criminals can coordinate and uh, plan uh, all sorts of illegal activity. So why are we seeing such a lag time between EncroChat getting rolled up and suspects arrested? Yeah, great question. So it's important to highlight that EncroChat did shut down in the middle of 2020. Police appear to have somehow gotten access to the network and apparently pushed out malware to, it's not clear if it was all of the services users, but seemingly tens of thousands of individuals who had these devices. So EncroChat figured this out and in June shut down operations, having issued a message first to customers saying, discard your handsets. It looks like the police are monitoring you. So fast forward, we are continuing to see criminals get taken down thanks to EncroChat. So at the time that the network got disrupted, police had already been monitoring and there were some pretty impressive statistics. The National Crime Agency in the UK reported 746 arrests due to intelligence they'd gleaned from EncroChat users. In the Netherlands, authorities said they'd seized 8,000 kilos of cocaine, 1,200 kilos of crystal meth, destroyed 19 drug labs, and also seized firearms and vehicles, in addition to making 100 arrests. So a goldmine of criminality, if you will, which thanks to law enforcement having infiltrated, penetrated the infrastructure, they were able to unroll a lot of these activities. Obviously, they've also identified a number of suspects that they're continuing to probe. So nearly a year later, we have French police saying that they busted this gang thanks to EncroChat intelligence. And then they found cocaine in France, which they were able to trace back to this drug lab which was busted last week by Dutch police. So they've obviously found a lot of suspects and are continuing to probably conduct surveillance, probe their activities and unwind these criminals. So it's an amazing story. And so what's happening with the criminals? Are they running scared? They should be running scared. 
This is a fascinating story, I think, because criminals keep trying to find ways to communicate securely in a manner that law enforcement won't penetrate. Unfortunately for them, when they're using a service such as EncroChat or Sky, which I've mentioned is another one, and we've seen others, these are magnets for law enforcement. They obviously spend a lot of time attempting to penetrate these networks. And once they do, and they've apparently been very successful at this, once they get inside, they wait. They don't immediately shut it down. They don't you know, just cut the head off. They look to see who's using it because when they shut it down, they know that the users will look for a rival service. So from a policing standpoint, why not get the users caught in the act as well? So I spoke with Alan Woodward. He's a cybersecurity expert at the University of Surrey. And what he told me is that you know, with EncroChat, as with these other takedowns, criminals really need to be looking over their shoulder. Law enforcement agencies are not to give up. We've seen it with these encrypted communications networks. We've seen it with cybercrime forums. We've seen it with other tools that are designed to help the criminal underground, buyers, sellers, people who want to get tools, this whole cybercrime as an economy ecosystem, trying to get them connected and to facilitate criminality. There's all these tools, all these approaches, but we keep seeing police successfully infiltrate and disrupt them. So definitely, if I was a criminal, I'm not, I would be looking over my shoulder, wondering how long until the service I've been using gets infiltrated and disrupted. And finally, the UK government has set up a new independent body to boost career opportunities and professional standards for the UK's cybersecurity sector. Earlier this week, I spoke with Dr. Claudia Natanson, the chair of the Board of Trustees. I asked her, what are the capabilities we need to fill the cyber skill shortage and strengthen our defenses? Here she is. But what the profession needs is at core. So you must have a core. You have a core set of, of, of elements that you understand in terms of systems, how the systems, because if you remember when I told you about those five pillars, you're going to have to understand, for example, how data comes about how information is then formed. How does that data and information then run on the network? How do they interact with systems? How do then reach to the user? So again, we go across this, the stack, how it's transported, how it's stored, how it's then used by the user. So you need to understand all of those protocols. And then you move on to the internet, which is a cyber side as we know it. And then we understand, how do we interact? What are the protocols that you need to do that? How do we test? So people talk about pen testing. How do we test to make sure that we know that we have no vulnerabilities? How do you understand how we manage risk? So a lot of things to do in that stack as well. And then you move on to the personnel side. And how do we do awareness and training and make people understand what they need to know to be able to at least have good practices in, in security. And of course, the physical is very important because when we had buildings, the physical is a first, first layer of defense. If people could get to our systems or if people could just walk to this, or even today when you're working from home or if you're working in an environment where you have more, how do you protect the data? But if you go across all of those five things, there's one underlying core thing, you're protecting data and information. That's it from the ISMG Security Report. The music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Anna Delaney. Until next time. Music